You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and you are listening to an episode on a little Q&A. When I published the survey back in December to see you know, what you wanted to hear for this year, I got a few questions on there that were one-off questions that were either you know, like follow-ups to previous episodes or just sort of more simple questions that didn't require a full episode to answer. So I wanted to tackle some of those. And then I also posted to my Instagram stories last week and asked if there were any other questions. So I'm going to get to those today as well. I know that a lot of you don't have Instagram, don't follow on Instagram, which I completely understand because I hardly ever post over there because I hate social media. And it's just, I guess, something that you have to do when you have a podcast. So there is a place for you guys to interact with me and submit your questions, but I completely suck at it and I make no apologies for it. So at the end of this episode, if you are listening on Spotify, there will be a area so you can ask more questions. So if there is a need for it. I can do a part two to this episode. And if you are listening on any other platform, you can go over to whichwednesdays.com to the show notes. There are a space for comments underneath there. So you can ask me questions there as well if you want a part two to this episode. I am going in no particular order here and I'm going to keep the askers anonymous. And one particular housekeeping thing before we get started is that one of the questions that came in was about witchcraft as an aesthetic, like witchy aesthetic and not looking witchy enough or feeling witchy enough and what that all means. And I was talking to my moderators over on the Discord server about that. And I think we're going to just dedicate an episode to that. So I think uh, Justin wants to come back and chat about that. I'm not sure if any of my other moderators want to be on that episode, but we are going to make that happen. And also, just shout out if you have not joined Discord, that is free to do. And that is always linked over on Instagram and the website so you can find that easily. First question is about offerings. So this came up on the survey in particular because I have had episodes previously on deity work. So the specific question was, why do we give God's offerings. Like what do they get from it? Do they need offerings every single time I ask them to do, you know, like a tarot reading with me? Do I need to give them offerings every day? So this answer is not only about deities, but also if you work with spirits or ancestors. So starting with the why, why behind giving offerings, and that is just a sign of respect and establishing a relationship. There are multiple beliefs in working with deities and spirits and ancestors. With deities in particular, there is a differentiation between worship and working with. So some people will only worship deities and they have a deity altar where they leave offerings, but they are not expecting any sort of relationship in return. In which case you are just offering that up, honoring the deity. It's not necessary, and there is no particular offering that you need to give or how often yet you need to give that. That is just solely something that you are offering up. So you could do it on occasion. You can try different things. That's completely up to you. And then on the other side, there is working with a deity. And that is 
the idea of establishing a relationship with deity spirit ancestors because you want to call on them in a working like the question specifically referenced tarot but you can call on them in any sort of spell work for guidance but in that case the offerings and timing and things are more specific offerings are the best way to establish that relationship and they are varying across the board. So they don't have to always be something specific and tangible like food or drink. It could be energy, offering up energy instead. So if you don't have something in particular that you want to offer, you can offer up energy and just your time and attention instead. A lot of people will do this with Fae in particular, one great offering for if you want to work with Fae or nature spirits is to clean up the outdoors. If you see trash around in a park, pick it up, throw it up. That would be considered an offering to the nature spirits that reside in that park. So it's not necessarily that they are getting something from it, that they need the energy or the food or drink that you are putting out in order to survive or that they're really drawing off of that. That's not exactly the point of an offering. It's just that you are exchanging something and it's, you can think of it very similar to a friendship. If you are constantly, you know, giving, 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 and you're, you have a friend that's not doing anything in return, doesn't, you know, call first, doesn't make plans with you, doesn't remember your birthday, All of those little things add up and it's a very frustrating one-way, one-sided friendship and eventually you're going to end up dropping that friend. Any sort of relationship takes work and putting in effort and since you can't exactly call up the deity or spirit that you are working with on the phone and have a chat with them like you would with a friend, this is sort of a way to connect and just show like, hey, I'm showing up, I'm here, I'm thinking of you specifically. And at the beginning, you are wanting to just establish that relationship without even asking for anything in return and just let them know, eventually, you know, I'd like to work with you. I'm just building up a relationship here. And then those offerings would be eventually in exchange for their assistance. Do you need to give them offerings every single time that you ask them to work with you? Like if you're doing a tarot reading or something, that depends again on the relationship that you have with them. And they will usually let you know because they are varied across the board in terms of personality and likes and dislikes. And they will make it clear really by just not answering you and not working with you. So if there are some that are, you know, much kinder and more lax and you don't need to do an offering every single time you are asking them for something, you can just do it on a you know, semi-regular basis. And if you need help with a tarot reading in the middle of the week and you don't have an offering, they might still help you. And then there are others that absolutely will not. And they will want some sort of offering each and every time you call on them for assistance. And the last question that went along with that was, do you need to give them offerings every single day? And that would depend on if you are calling on them every single day. I give my house spirit, which a brownie, offerings once a week. But there are people who will do it every single day because they have the space to sort of put out a little bit of milk or honey bread uh, every single day in the evening and then they clean it up in the morning. But that is something that you would work out with your house spirit and let them know, be like, hey, this is what I can offer. And I don't recommend saying that you'll do something every day and then not doing it because that's 
that's not fair. They don't like that. They tend to respond badly to that. If you say that you're going, tell them you're going to do something in exchange for their assistance and then you don't do it, nobody likes that. Nobody enjoys that feeling. Uh, And that goes for spirits, deities, everything as well. So whatever it is in terms of offering, just make sure that it's something that you can commit to and stick with. And, you know, if you're going on vacation, let your house spirit know um, that you're not going to be around to give that offering, but that you'll be back. If it's a deity, it can be the same. Just establish that at the beginning that, you know, I'd like to work with you. Here are my offerings. I can't commit to doing something every single day, um, but I can commit to keeping up a little altar or having a figurine for you around. I can commit to doing some sort of offering maybe once a week or once a month or just doing an offering whenever I am calling on you for assistance. So it really is a relationship that you are working out for yourself because no person is going to have the same relationship with a deity as somebody else. You could be working with the exact same deity and following the exact same path, tradition, religion, and still have completely different relationships because it's very personal of what you're trying to accomplish and your personality and your interactions. So they're going to be completely different and that is fine. In my personal practice, like I said, I have a house spirit that we do offerings once a week, and that is leaving out milk and honey in a dedicated space. And as far as deities, I don't do any deity work. And ancestors is more of a, not worship, but appreciation. And I don't usually call on them um, to do anything in particular, just giving them an offering in, you know, thanks and recognition of all that they've done and in remembrance of them, which I think a lot of people do, whether or not you're a witch or particularly religious. A lot of people go and visit grave sites and leave flowers on graves without being a witch. That is a form of, of offering and remembrance. But if you have any other ideas about offerings, head over to the Discord server. There are always discussions going on over there. Like I said, I don't do deity work. I am familiar with it, but it's just not something that calls to me at this moment. So there may be more witches on the server who can answer specific questions about deity work. So that was a lot of information about offerings. The next question is a quicker answer, and that is, can you do Wiccan spells if you are not a Wiccan? And the quick answer to that is yes. I have spells from Ella Harrison, the book of spells. She's less Wiccan leaning lately, but the book has Wiccan tendencies uh, as well as Harmony Nice. She has two books that I have gotten spells from and basically anything written before 2005 (laughs) is all Wiccan based. So there are a lot of Wiccan books out there. And just because you are not Wiccan does not mean that you should throw them out because they have a ton of great information in them and a lot of spells that you can adapt to whatever your practice is. And that is just a matter of getting comfortable with switching up spells. A lot of the Wiccan influences in the spells are deity based. So that is one of the main tenets of Wicca is that there is a god and goddess and they are equal in strength and power. It is this duality religion and a lot of spells will invoke either the god or goddess depending on what sort of energy it is, sometimes both of them. And 
that religious influence is very easy to pull out of a spell because what you're really looking at is the different correspondences that it's calling for, you know, learning why it is calling for a specific crystal or sigil and learning the intention behind that, learning what, you know, the purpose of the words are and how you want to do something. And it's very easy then to pull those spells and just the parts that resonate with you and turn it into something that is your own. I think that is a very uh, chaos magic <laughs> point of view. I had the uh, episode on chaos magic with Ivy and that is something that she does in her practice. Absolutely is just pulling from different books, different topics, even if you don't follow that particular path or religion, as long as it's not a closed practice, it is something that is open to everyone to pull from and use as they see fit. And chaos magicians do that all the time where they are just pulling and changing things. If it works, that's great. If it doesn't, move on to something else. So, so much of the witchcraft that we have today and are familiar with came from Wicca and that big Wiccan resurgence um, and interest in witchcraft. So lots of things are going to be Wiccan based. And I do that all the time. I just get rid of the deity references. And I, I don't like ending my spells with so mode it be. That just sounds so Wiccan to me. It's not. It, anyone can use the phrase and, and so mode it be at the end of a spell. It's just the idea of closing that practice, that spell. But you can use any sort of words to close it and send it out to the universe. And I usually pick something else because I just don't like the word moat. I don't know why. Just don't like so moat it be. It just doesn't <laughs> resonate with me. It doesn't sound good in my ears. I don't like it. So I close my spells in a different way. Wiccans are also heavily influenced or used in their practice, uh, casting circles and calling in the quarters. So the different directions. And I don't always do that or cast a circle at all. I definitely don't usually do it in the Wiccan way, but I usually don't do it at all because I don't find it necessary. So it's really just getting rid of those pieces that are very Wiccan and aren't really calling to you. But everything else in the spell is open for your interpretation and to use. And like I always say, the worst thing that can happen is that it's just not going to work. Especially Wiccan spells tend to be very kind and friendly. That's sort of the tenant of do no harm. And if there, it's a spell in a Wiccan book, it's more on the, you know, friendly, positive side as to, opposed to a baneful magic book. So Wiccan spells, if they go wrong, it's just, they're just not going to work. So that's really the worst thing that could happen there, in which case you just try again or try something else. So yes, absolutely can use Wiccan spells if you are not a Wiccan. Next question was about getting over the fear of being judged for your witchcraft. And in particular, this person feels very connected to nature and wants to do like grounding and energy work outside and is afraid of what the neighbors are going to think and also wants to be a little more open with the extended family about what they're doing, which I love because I am totally open in everything that I do, but I understand the fear behind that. First of all, you're either going to have neighbors that are nosy or neighbors that do not care. And everyone sort of thinks that people are paying attention to them more than they actually are. We always think that everybody is looking at us, noticing us, judging us. Like, But I mean, how much do you pay attention to strangers around you? How much do you pay attention to your neighbors? Like, Not, not really that much. I mean, I can tell when they're out there in the backyard, but I probably look at my neighbors for 
a second or less when I'm out there. I just don't pay that much attention to you know, other people. We, we really don't. So other people are not paying attention to you as much as you think they are. So that's a good way to just like let go of that fear immediately. Like nobody's noticing. Just honest truth. And the other part is that maybe you do have nosy neighbors that will be staring at you. But being outside in nature and just sort of sitting quietly is very common as is doing yoga or exercise outside. So if you are grounding, centering anything outside that looks very much like a yoga or Tai Chi practice and your neighbors, nosy neighbors are just going to think you're exercising and then you can go about your day. They're really not going to pay that much attention to that. So I would not really be concerned about neighbors and enjoying your own backyard. I do understand that fear of being judged. They're going to think that you're doing something weird. But at the end of the day, the question I always ask myself is, so what? It's like a practice in detachment and detachment theory. It's so what? So what if they think I'm weird? What's the worst that's going to happen? So what? And the answer to that heavily depends on where you live because there are places that are still very dangerous for anything sort of weird witches are still kind of like flying under the radar. There are, you know, worse things happening and it's not as much witches, you know, being attacked, but it does still happen. So if you are in the the Bible belt and deep South, then maybe that is something that you do need to be fearful of because the answer to so what um, might be a little more serious and you should consider that if you are in Chicago or, you know, up here at the North maybe the answer to so what is your neighbors are going to think you're weird. Oh, well, I think the, some of my neighbors are weird. Like there's, it's, it has no bearing on my life or theirs. So even if I do see them doing something odd, um, I have a favorite neighbor actually who lives two houses down and goes up and down the alley with a metal detector all the time. And I think that's weird. And I'm like, Ian, you do you. You, you, know, you have fun out there with your metal detector. That is your hobby. I think it's weird, but you think it's fun. Um, I love it. And you know what? My car tires are not getting any nails stuck in them because he's out there all the time with his metal detector. So, so what? I, I think it's weird. It has no bearing on his life and his activities. So detachment theory is easier in in theory and in saying it than it is in practice, but it is a really good habit to get into if you live in a relatively safe area, then just think about, so what? So what if others are judging me? What's the worst that could happen? In my life, it's absolutely nothing. So it might be the same for you and you're building it up in your head to be a bigger deal than it actually is. With family, it is a little bit different. I understand that because there are people that are not very accepting. And if you are unsure, then I would slowly broach that topic and just bring up, you know, maybe like news stories or talk about something innocuous like crystals. Meaning like, oh, my friend has this crystal in her house that she thinks really balances the energy and everybody who comes to the door is, you know, like really happy because they pass this crystal and just sort of like get a gauge on what the, the people's reaction is. You can also do a divination technique. So if you have a tarot deck or a pendulum, you can ask that question. Uh, I I want to tell this person about my witchcraft. You know, are they going to act, react negatively and see if you get an answer for that and maybe just don't tell them at all if you think that it's going to be a very negative situation. Not everybody has to know about your practice and all the ins and outs of it or that you practice at all. Some witches are very comfortable with 
being in the broom closet and staying in the broom closet and keeping their practice very personal and close to the vest, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to tell anybody what you are doing. Not everyone needs to or should know all of the details of your life. There are varying stages of relationships. So my you know, peripheral acquaintances or work acquaintances don't know everything about my personal life and my witchcraft practice. They'll know little bits. They know that there are plants and crystals on my desk, but they don't need to know all of the ins and outs of everything that I believe and practice because it's just none of their business. Even though if it you know doesn't bother me and I'm a very open person, there are just some people that it's not worth getting into that conversation with. So that would be the first step is, is figuring out how you think they're going to react and deciding if it's even worth it to be sharing that information. If there are people that you would still like to share with, you think that they might have a positive or at least neutral reaction and you just want them to know about this aspect of your life, then absolutely look into spells for confidence and self-assuredness so you can start that conversation and broach that topic without being so fearful. But again, if these are people that you trust and you love, their reaction is going to be possibly positive, but at the very least, it's going to be neutral enough that they're like, hey, you know what? You're my weirdo friend and I like it. You do you. So hopefully that answers the question about that sort of fear of judgment. But if you have any follow-up questions to that, then I can include that in a part two. Next question was about my personal views, and that is what are my views on spirits? So if you have any, you know, follow-up or anything in particular that you want to ask me about my views, then let me know. But in general, my views on spirits are, first of all, that they definitely exist, that they are sort of on a different plane or different realm where we can't see them. So spirits are a huge category. So that is house spirits like my brownie. I don't see the brownie, but I know that it exists. There are some people that can see them. I'm not one of them. There are spirits as in ghosts. Ghosts exist. Again, there are some people that can see them. I'm not one of them, although I am confident I had a ghost friend as a child. There are spirits in nature. I think that, you know, each... A tree, you know, has its own spirit. I believe each house has its own spirit. I don't necessarily think that those are visible, but it's more of an energy that you can feel. So spirits is a huge category. And uh, I absolutely believe that they exist and it is your choice whether to work with them, some of them, or none at all. It really is about your comfort level. So in my personal life practice, I am at that like halfway point. I do think there are some dangerous spirits that are out there. I think there are angry spirits that can haunt items, for example. That comes up a lot in thrift stores that spirits will hang on to an item and they can be negative and disruptive. And I haven't found any or heard from anybody that something like physically dangerous has happened, but they bring like a very negative energy or things go like breaking in your house, um, being woken up at three o'clock in the morning and just generally feeling scared. Those feelings. I believe that you 
if you're going to dive in to spirits that you need to know how to interact with those negative spirits and be able to get rid of them. So I'm sort of at that halfway point where there are some that I'm comfortable with, but I don't go seeking out you know, items or working with negative spirits. There are great witches out there who help spirits pass on. So even if they're not, you know, that negative, if they're sort of stuck here on this plane, they help them move on to the next life of like whatever happens next. And I think that's a great practice, but not something that I am currently comfortable with. But there are spirits that I do interact with. So I do believe that every thing really has a spirit that's like an animistic point of view that every flower has a spirit grass has a spirit everything in nature rocks have a spirit animals have spirits so I work with those energies absolutely try to respect them work with different animal spirits tree spirits try to respect nature and when it comes to spirits that resemble human entities that I don't work with as much I'm much more comfortable with plants and animals. And that is true in real life as well. I am much more comfortable with animals than I am with human people. (laughs) Uh, So that is the way that I approach spirit interaction as well. I prefer animals. But uh, I do obviously work with my, the spirit of my house in general, uh, and then the spirit of the brownie that inhabits house. They are two separate entities. I do lock my mirrors. I think mirrors are a spirit sort of gateway. So I do have protections on those to just keep them closed. I really don't want them open. There are some people that enjoy having spirits around in their house, just in general coming and going because they can bring a lot of different energies and that can bring like a positive energy. They can be very helpful. It's nice to let, you know, not feel lonely. If you live by yourself, then you have spirit energies there. They can assist with spell work. So there are some witches that absolutely love having the spirits around. But for me personally, I sort of keep everything locked up and then I'm very intentional in going out and seeking a specific spirit that I want to work with. So those are sort of my views, a very animistic point of view that spirits are everywhere and you choose your level of interaction with them. And I do think that the more you interact and notice, then the more that comes about. There are lots of, you know, theories about that. It's, you know, if you are concentrating specifically on you know, red butterflies, you are going to see red butterflies everywhere, not just live ones, but you are going to see them in magazines and on TV and on the side of your breakfast cereal or something. You're going to see red butterflies everywhere because you're looking for them. And the same is true of spirits. The more that you interact, the more you are going to notice signs of them sort of everywhere. But let me know your views. Head over to the comments and let me know. Let's have a discussion on what your views are on spirits are because you know, it is really different for everybody and, you know, how everybody chooses to interact with them. So I'm absolutely curious on that as well. One question that came up that I am not particularly versed in is about pregnancy rituals or just generally being in a state of physical creation, which is a quote, and I love that you phrased it that way. Uh, But that is just something that I am not familiar with outside of you know, doing the readings about it, but obviously not something that I have ever practiced myself because I have never been pregnant and I have no intention of ever being pregnant. So 
not something I have hands-on experience with. And I think to share that information might be better from somebody who has practiced that, but I am not sure who I would reach out to. So if you have any recommendations of other witches who have covered this topic or you know somebody that has shared on social media someplace, then let me know and I will have them as a guest and we can chat about this whole topic. And lastly is something, I'm just going to go over it quickly, is anything to do with practicing in the broom closet. I will have previous episodes linked about this. I've talked about it. I had Becca on before and we discussed that specifically in an episode. I think I've We've touched on it in episodes that I have done with Fauna from Cat's Tea and Witchcraft. So it's been mentioned in a few different places. So any that I can think of, I will have linked in the show notes because there's tons of different ideas and every witch sort of thinks of that differently. But I do have a couple of notes to say on that for this episode. Firstly is you can choose to stay completely in the broom closet forever. You never have to share your practice with anyone. You never have to tell anyone that you are a witch. Some people, even if they live in a place where that's perfectly acceptable and their family would be very accepting, they just don't want to share. And that is absolutely valid. I have friends in my life that I could not tell you what their religion is because it has never come up in conversation and it doesn't have any effect on how we sort of live and have our friendship and I can but you know just kind of tell by the holidays they celebrate but otherwise um, it's not something that ever comes up in conversation so there's no reason to talk about all of those things if you don't want to if you feel like it is just a private practice to you and a private religion that's completely fine you don't have to share that with anyone you can also be partway out of the broom closet where you share only certain aspects. Maybe you don't share any of your religious aspects, but you are more comfortable sharing what it means to maybe be a hearth witch or a green witch and just explain it in terms of gardening. And you can also be sort of halfway out where you only tell certain people. And any of those ways of practicing are fine. You do not need to get on here and have a podcast and an Instagram and like blast it out to the world, everything that you're doing. That is a very small subsect of witches. And if you follow that on social media, you really get the idea that everybody is sharing like that and acts like that, but that's absolutely not true. So do what you feel most comfortable with. And if that is staying in the broom closet, there are still a lot of things that you can do. What we you know, show on social media is just a small part of it, and it's very visual. And it seems like you need a lot of tools and a lot of space and having things sort of out and everywhere and everybody know what you're doing, but that's just what photographs and films the best. So that's what you see. But witchcraft is very much about the small things as well. At least it is for me. Witchcraft is about incorporating small things into my daily life. So like I said, green witchcraft, that is watering. I have one indoor plant that I have managed to keep alive for three years now. And all I do is, you know, water. It's a snake plant. I pretty much do it once a month. And I am just intentional in that moment. And I am, you know, sending my energy into that plant and interacting with its spirit. I have a little crystal sitting on there. Nobody has any idea that 
that particular plant is part of my witchcraft practice. If they were to come into this house, it does not look witchy. Everybody has plants in their house. So that's like a very small aspect. It's part of it and it makes up, you know, the bigger part of my practice, but it's those day-to-day things. So I always recommend looking at the basics and incorporating the very small things into your life that no one else around you is going to notice is inherently witchy. That could be the gardening, it's cooking, it's showering, using your daily shower as a cleansing ritual. All you have to do is bring some intention into it. You could incorporate candles in the bathroom or crystals, but it's really just about the intention and the energy that you're bringing to that shower and to that cleansing. I do a little protection over my car. I have a little tiger's eye hidden in there for safety in travel. Nobody is hunting through my car for my tiny little tumbled tiger's eye. So there are quite a few ways that you can just do small daily things in order to stay in the broom closet. But again, I am going to link those previous episodes so you can get lots of different ideas. And if you have any follow-up questions to this topic, then definitely let me know. And those are all of the questions for this episode. If I did not answer your question, it is because it is going to be long form content, either a podcast episode or over on YouTube. Specifically, I am remembering um, mythical creatures. So working with dragons, unicorns in your witchcraft, and there are other ones, of course. And I feel like that might be a long enough answer to cover in a podcast episode at some point. And the other one was about grimoires and starting grimoires and books of shadows, especially that came in after I had Stacy on where she was talking about doing like the scrapbook style grimoire and just like getting started and doing your own and like tips for that. And I think that that will be over on YouTube. So if I did not get to, those were your questions, I did not get to them, know that those are coming. But like I said, if you have any other questions that you think are sort of quick ones that you would like me to cover in a follow-up Q&A, whether that is about, you know, witchcraft in general or my practice in particular, let me know in the question on Spotify or in the show notes over at witchwednesdays.com and I will work on a part two or maybe a follow-up video on YouTube, something like that. That is everything for this episode, and I will see you in the next one. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.